I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm sitting down to talk with Alexandra Donohoe-Church of Dacus Interiors in her studio in Sydney. Alexandra, it is such a pleasure to finally meet you face to face and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you for coming in. It's lovely to see you in person too. <laughs> and it's so nice to be in your space. I think the first time we spoke was uh, over Zoom when that was becoming part of the you know everyday vocabulary yes. back in early or mid 2020. Uh, and you were sort of talking about the new office, but you hadn't moved in or you weren't spending a lot of time oh, in here yet? No, we haven't, um, we haven't actually, we're, we haven't moved into a new office yet. We are, we're looking for something to, to design and move into eventually. Uh-huh. But this is, the, this is the same space that we've been in. We've been in this studio now for almost six years, which okay. feels feels a little crazy to say to be perfectly honest with you and for the five years prior to that we were sort of a stone's throw down the road in um in Paddington in what was a little sort of once upon a time a little shop front um so we've sort of we've moved up to high street (laughs) but um but it's a really lovely neighborhood to be in yeah and um I think what I love the most is there's because of the age of all of the sort of surrounding architecture there's really only sort of a three-level max on every building. And so you get this beautiful light, you get a lot of greenery, you get a lot of natural light around here, which is what wonderful. This is mm. what we love. And um, we like having people wander past and poke their heads in and occasionally people walk in and think that we're a furniture showroom. <laughs> occasionally you strike up a new conversation. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess with everyone having worked from home for, I imagine, you know, a considerable period of time, it must be nice to have everyone oh, back together again. It's just so lovely to have everyone back together. Everyone is working. I mean, for, look, there's not, I wouldn't say there's any one hard and fast rule. I think we've got people who are here five days a week. We have people here at four or three, and we really just need to kind of work in with everyone's sort of, you know, their, their life situation. So we've got, um, a number of mums with young, young kids on the team. Mm. Um, I've got three on maternity leave at the moment. And um, and so we, we've we certainly been forced to reckon with the, the fact that, that working from home at least part of the time is the, the new the new way forward. The new normal, huh? It's the new normal, <laughs> you know. I think two or three years ago, if you'd said that to me, I would have been like, but no. <laughs> and I think now, as long as, you know, I think we found that we were much more... In many ways, we were much more efficient in COVID than I expected us to be. So that was really the only fear. I think the other part that's as long as we're meeting in person at some point during the week, I think the nice part is that kind of the um, those spontaneous moments where you can just have a chat about anything. Mm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's good to see. Um, so I want to go back to that original conversation that we had in 2020 because when we talked then, you, um, I guess, gave me a bit of your backstory and mm. how you ended up in interior design. 
um, by way of landscape architecture, if I'm by, remembering correctly. By, by pure accident. <laughs> <laughs> Not by pure accident. I shouldn't say pure accident. I um, I didn't – oh, to be honest with you, I you know, I wasn't the most studious of, of teenagers. I was busy, you know, doing all sorts of things I probably shouldn't have been doing. And, um, and I didn't really spend a tremendous amount of time – um, hitting the books so I ended up getting into landscape I think I applied for interiors or architecture I can't remember it's a bit blurry and um, and I didn't I didn't get the marks so I went into landscape and I do have a real sort of passion for landscape for the natural environment for plants I just don't have the brain for horticulture unfortunately <laughs> so that was the that was the deciding factor right and I think it was also you were telling me that maybe you fell asleep in one of the lessons early on one too many might have been a one sign. too many times <laughs> did I fall asleep I no, I yeah that is it that is that is that situation is sort of burned into my retina my emotional <laughs> memory retina because I remember waking up with like drool kind of coming out of my mouth it was really it's one of my finest moments good sign that you had to change though <laughs> um, so I guess maybe to turn it to something that's yeah maybe a bit more um, I guess in line with what you are doing now mm. I, I wanted to ask you about um, I guess the memories that you might have had of interiors and spaces and and perhaps if you can remember the first time you were moved by an interior or a room or a house and had some kind of an emotional response to that that has sort of stuck with you I think that the first time I was, I, I had an awareness of spaces and making you feel a certain way was probably a very humble kind of, you know, early, early days. I was probably seven or eight or nine, somewhere around there. Um, so this is not, you know, this is not the architectural kind of masterpiece moment. This is the, I... I spent hours and hours and hours rearranging my room. <laughs> <laughs> hours and hours and hours. That's what I did as a kid. I wasn't. I wasn't sort of. Um, I wasn't super sporty. I, I'm, I'm an introvert. I love my own company, um, and I would spend all this time in my room making it feel different. So I guess in some way, even though I was most likely very, was not cognizant of it, you know, as an eight or nine year old that was the first time that I think I had an understanding that things felt different in a space if you made changes to it. Mm. And so if you fast forward 10, 15 years and, you know, you're backpacking through Europe or you're lucky enough to head over on a family holiday or what have you and we would end up in incredible, you know, hotels and, 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 and private houses and, and galleries and... Um, churches and you just sort of go you're exposed to all these things that you've never been exposed to and so I think then it's cemented the idea that you can kind of have it an otherworldly experience so I would say it was a very basic introduction at an early age to the mm. idea that that spaces make you feel different mm. um, but I, I, d I definitely remember walking into um you know, like you go somewhere like it's going to sound a bit cheesy now, but I think when it was this 2003, maybe I went on a no, no seven 2007. I went on a um, um, I went to London to visit a girlfriend, and I think Sketch, the nightclub, had just opened, mm. and 
look, you know, India and Madhavi since redone it, but we went for dinner and we just thought we were the bee's knees. And um, that space blew my mind because of how sensory, <laughs> you know, just how layered and, and sort of they held, they, they didn't hold back. And I just thought that was, that was incredible. Was that prior to the pink walls and the it copper was prior, bar and the yeah. marble? Okay. But it's, it was, I've got to remember who did it, um, who designed it the first time round. It, it still had the pods in the bathroom that looked like they uh, were from out of space. Yeah, yeah, like it was just it was so cool. <laughs> um, so I would say that, that, you know, those experiences later in life, later in my sort of late teens, early 20s, really, really cemented the idea that, that you could have fun with things. Mm. And it didn't all have to be serious and, yeah. it, and, and justifiable and, it, you know, you don't have to explain everything. It doesn't have to be academic. It can just mm. be fun mm. for the sake of it. Yeah, you're right. And so it seems like, yeah, those overseas experiences were quite formative. But do you remember having any role models that were specifically designers or just people, you know, whether it be India Mandavi or anybody else whose work that you were following that, you know, you felt quite inspired by? And were there any in Australia in particular or were they all overseas? I would say that in, that while, while I was at uni, if I start with my landscape moment... Um, <laughs> my hot year of landscape, I would say that Roberto Belmarx was it's his Brazilian landscape designer and his work, I just found it fascinating because if you take an aerial shot of one of his um, landscapes, it looks like a painting, like it's incredible. Mm. Um, and so he was sort of my first design hero. But then when I moved into interiors, I would, I'd have to be honest and say that I didn't necessarily have any heroes within Australia. I remember picking up, and I still have the very copy I bought, I think it was 2002. Um, I bought a magazine with Pierre Jovanovic on the front cover mm. and one of his earliest one of his earliest projects. And uh, sort of that was the start of that love affair, which has lasted through the decades. Um, and now, if you fast forward to 2021, 22, um, I would have to say that I look around and I think there are sort of design heroes almost everywhere. It's You've got people like, you know, people are just doing... I think what I love about what people are doing at the moment is that they're all... They're really like... To use a really sort of cheesy term, they're kind of just... They're being them. Like, you do you. Like, mm-hmm. And I love that. I think there's so much... There, there's so much variation. There's so many different points of view. Everyone's got their own vibe going on, which is just bloody awesome. Because mm. it, once upon a time, I think it was only ever one style mm. of of design. When I was at uni, um, you know, it was the it was that kind of BKH phase, mm. and it was a lot of terrazzo and all of this, you know, clean lines. Everything was very minimal, and for a long time, that was sort of what we sort of, you know. We epitomised. We, yeah. we kind of, yeah. <laughs> we sort of knelt at that altar, and and um, and now I think you have you have everything from minimalism to maximalism to something in between. Um, and I love the fact that everyone is exploring their own niches as they are. I think mm. that's really beautiful. 
Do you think that's partly to do with the fact that the design industry in Australia has really quite grown, that there's maybe more space for so mm. many different points of view? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, we're not that little tiny country at the, on the bums, <laughs> on the back of, you know, the Earth's bum. I think um, when you take, you know, you, you factor into the equation that we are this sort of country that's so far away from everything, but also um, not particularly large by definition in terms of population mm. and we're producing some incredible work which if you think about the age of the country we, we're not we don't ha- we don't have sort of this um what am i looking for we don't have this kind of three four hundred year old history of this you know this artisanal kind of approach passed down through generations we mm. we're relatively young so we're sort of just working it all out right mm. now and i think I think that um, I think that we there's a lot of brave souls in the in the the industry at the moment, which I think is really cool. Oh, that's such a nice way of putting it. Yeah. I like that phrase. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I'm I want to come back to your inspiration and um, and talk a little bit about um, the work that you do for your clients, obviously, and how much of that is completely bespoke mm-hmm. and customised. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that you've clearly become quite known for and, and maybe you enjoy and the team enjoys. So I wanted to ha- perhaps have you talk a little bit about that, um, the process of, of custom uh, creating pieces, items for a room, for a client, what that process can be like and and, and what they bring to a space or a personal residence. Mm. I think Well, for the first part is that we... We love doing it because so much of a so much of design can be spent at a desk. Not all of it, but so much of it can be spent at a desk. Whether it's computer, whether you're sketching, um, but you're in an office or a studio, and or you're working from home, as, as discussed earlier. And I think <laughs> that the part that I love the most of any project is construction. I love being on site. I love installing a project I love working with people when they're doing their thing in their workshops so we love it because we get to work with someone who knows how to build things or put things together Mm. or make things or craft things which is not a skill that we have because we're not the builders or the makers or the craftspeople the ceramicists or the woodworkers what have you so we find it a really rewarding process because we learn so much through through the doing of it but to come back to the point about sort of, you know, what it brings to a project, you know, I, I had this kind of realisation, probably far too late, that for me, it doesn't it doesn't really inspire me to sort of be able to pull everything off a shelf and put it into a room. I think a space is much more interesting and authentic if you're able to create something that's completely unique for that space and for the client. So we find it really fulfilling um, kind of from a, from a personal learning and creativity perspective and a collaboration perspective. But I think what it brings to a client's home is, 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 is it, it adds a layer to the cake, so to speak, of, of authenticity. It's for just them. It's made to suit their needs and their tastes. It's not about walking into one of hundreds of showrooms or looking on hundreds of thousands of websites and then sort of 
collating things onto a spreadsheet. It's it's you know, and then putting it into a house. I think it just feels much more feels much more for those clients if we can craft something for them specifically and then have fun working with the people we get to work with to do it. And and then the process is really a shared process because everyone sort of has a lovely part to play. So it feels it feels like a yeah, you know, kind of like a little tapestry mm. exercise. It's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. And so conversely uh, to the custom and the new, you mm. are also a fan of vintage mm. and collectible art and design. Yes. And I, so I would really like to hear you talk a bit about what you think they bring to a space and if there are any particular makers or designers, um, past or present, that you're following or collecting. Yeah. So um, oh, that, that, that is a... A question I could probably spend three or four days answering. Um, I we we have not done enough um, in the way of vintage in the projects we've done to date. I, there is there is room for far more uh, vintage to come into our work, um, and so that's something we're kind of actively currently working on. I'm a huge fan of Brazilian design, and um, so what started with Roberta Marx, the landscape architect. Um, sort of quickly grew to um, uh, Joachim Tenreiro, who works with Jacaranda Wood and Kane and Wicker, um, Jorge um, Salzupin, um, Martin Eisler. All of these guys were immigrants from Europe right after the war and they came to kind of create this kind of new Brazil, essentially. So they brought this sort of, I don't know, I think like contemporary, contemporary vision, but... Um, working in Brazil with really um, kind of hand, you know, by hand in a lot of instances. Um, so less machined and a little more kind of tactile and um, a little more... Um, uh, the primitive is not necessarily the right t- term to use, but something very honest and very kind of earthly, I guess. Mm. Um, so they're probably my heroes. And then all the way to the other end of the scale, um, Pierre Paulin is, you know is another god of the design world mm. or was so yeah amazing mm. so yeah i mean it sounds like you've got a lot to keep you inspired um i'm keen to hear what keeps you motivated i mean we've yeah probably alluded a couple of times throughout the conversation already that the last couple of years have been a bit rough and mm. you're not just a designer but um wearing many hats including running the business so mm, yeah. how do you stay motivated through all of that what kind of keeps you going that's also a question i could probably spend years answering um <laughs> i think I'll start with business first. So the last couple of years have been really big for everyone, mm. I think. Um, I think that we were really blessed in the sense that we thought that the earth was going to sort of fall off its axis two years ago and, and for a moment it paused and then everything sort of came back much stronger in the end. But I will say that that doesn't necessarily mean that things are always running perfectly smoothly. You know, you have people <laughs> who've got a couple of, you know, like a good chunk of the team right now off on mat leave. Um, we've, you know, we've had supply chain issues on projects. Um, we've had recruiting. It's challenging to find people right now. And that seems to be an industry-wide thing based on talking to a lot of my 
friends and colleagues who, who also have their own businesses. Mm. And then there's, you know, you add in the lockdown and the working from home and the mothering and the, you know, all of that. So, look, I think, I think for, for me, the running of a business teaches me about myself more than I ever imagined it would. I thought that I was getting into design to design and just to have fun. <laughs> How naive I was. And I think through the course of, of um, running a business, learning to manage people, because it's certainly not a skill I ever had, um, learning to manage yourself, learning to um, deal with with clients of all different types and personalities and sort of um, inclinations and, and, and learning to deal with multiple um, consultants and, and builders and whatnot, it, it just teaches you about people and about yourself. And so I think that you can say that all of it's been incredibly stressful on one level, but at the same time, a tremendous period of growth. So... I'll go with the growth. Mm. Let's go with the growth. Mm. It kind of feels better to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone in the team's felt that too, in one way or another, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's taught us a lot about kind of really um, fostering a, f- fostering the right kind of culture. Um, where are we falling down? Where are we not doing enough? What are we, what are we not efficient with? What are, we, what are we doing really well? It's just a constant re-evaluation process, I mm. think. Um, and I think that the when you think about the kind of the personal side of things, I really loved lockdown. <laughs> it's probably not the most popular thing to say. Cause, and at the same time, we're really fortunate. We didn't have to, you know, we our lockdown wasn't nearly as significant or challenging as other places, mm. cities um, and countries. So so I, I don't mean for that to sound sort of... Um, funny it but I genuinely enjoy the enforced slowdown I think one of the things that that you know we all have to get a little more honest about is what pace are we all going at Mm -hmm. and how long do we think that we can keep this up for and and what do we want for our children Mm. because if you say yes to everything there's no time for there's there's nothing left for you so I think it's a really it's it's been a really great time to really reevaluate what was and wasn't working in in that sense mm. um and I'm all for working hard but I, I I believe in like completely shutting down so I'm I'm sort of no, notorious for from like Christmas to the end of January I don't read email and like no one believes wow. me and I and and <laughs> and, 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 and I well but, but but I mean it wasn't always that way you know there was many years where every time I went on holidays I worked every single day across the holiday mm. and then I had to get to the point where I just went I, I can't actually maintain this. I can't. I'm not. I'm not being the nicest person if mm. I if I never get any time out. So, so it's a really big part of my approach now is to make sure it's sustainable, mm. and I mean sustainable for the whole team. Mm. So yeah, we're doing a tender at the moment, which is due out in the middle of next week, and it's a really big project. And I'm very proud that no no one's done a late night. And um, I couldn't say that two or three years ago. That just wouldn't have been the case. Mm. So, yeah, we've made some really good big changes. That's really great to hear. Yeah. And so you just said before that, yeah, you got into this to design and have fun. And, um, you know, so how, how, do you, how do you try and maintain that? Have um, fun. Yeah. How, how, do you, <laughs> how do you make sure that you're enjoying it? How do you make sure that the team's enjoying it? And also the clients. Is there a, a method? Work with nice people. 
work with legends. That's the key. And that goes for everyone. That goes for the clients, the suppliers, the collaborators, the builders. If you're working with great people who are like, who are really on the same page and want kind of, who definitely want to achieve the same outcome as you, you just can't not have fun, I think. And then it sounds, again, another cheesy comment. It's not bollocks, it's totally true. I think we've had really stressful um, installs or, or handovers where things are running really, really late. And, you know, if I could have controlled global shipping <laughs> in the last quarter of last year, I would definitely have done so because it would have made a lot of things a lot easier. But if you're working with the right people and for the right people, everyone gets it and everyone's, you know, you just kind of band together. So how do we have fun? Um, Try not to take ourselves too seriously. We swear a lot. Um, (laughs) We play really crap music. Um, We sing, we dance. Uh, Not every day, but, you know, we've been known to bust out some moves in the office. Um, We also, you know, we're fortunate enough to be able to work with some really, you know, interesting people, some some people, some trailblazers. Like uh, you you asked earlier about sort of, um, you know, custom pieces, functional art and so forth. And, you know, I can think of, you know, like a gallery we work with um, a lot is Sally Jane Cuthbert. And something that I love about what she does is she's brought this concept of functional art to Australia, I think. I don't think it really existed before Sally opened a gallery. And what it does is it brings a whole new layer of what's out there. It's bringing, you know, things from overseas to us that we would never have been able to access before unless you got on a plane and came and brought it home. Um, And then the other part of of that equation is also going and sourcing those things and bringing them home yourselves or designing them. So I think as long as you're not doing the same thing every day and you're doing this kind of beautiful mixture and this sort of, you know, patchwork tapestry sort of approach where you do a little bit of everything and you bring it all together, I think you you know, you get to exercise your design muscles. All of our projects look really different. They don't have the same language aesthetically. Um, They're probably more challenging now than they were two years ago in terms of, you know, um, kind of how, I guess, aesthetically, how they they look and how they feel. Um, And we're, you know, we're, we're more adventurous now than we were before. So we're finding that really fun. We're getting to stretch our muscles, stretch our limbs muscles whatever mm. we're getting to stretch out stretch out and and i think that means that we it that means we do something different every time which means we find new things which means and on and on and on it goes mm. so i think that's how we f- have fun that sounds pretty great yeah. next time i'm here i'm definitely <laughs> waiting to see the the buster move <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we've talked a bit about how, um, I guess, life-changing and, um, you know, the last two years have been. It's mm-hmm. been challenging, but it's it's really changed a lot of things. And I think particularly how we live, um, or at least our lives, and I think a lot of people, as you said, have been reflecting and making changes. And I think perhaps um, I w- I'm curious to hear whether your clients are requesting anything different from you now, you know, given what everyone has been through and how much extra time we've been spending in our homes. Mm. Um, are you finding that that's I changed? Think, yeah, I mean, you know, there's probably a handful of infrared sauna and steam shower and, you know, home 
theatre and home office requests that we wouldn't have had from those people several years ago that we're now getting from those people. We might have, might have been a request from someone else, but not. So it seems like those sorts of things are a little more prevalent. But it's more... I think that the, the shift I've seen is probably in that there's more of a focus on getting it right. And I know that sounds a little strange to say, but I think uh, in previous years, I think sometimes clients would sort of minimise the importance of an aspect of the design and say, oh, no, that's not that important. We don't need to do that. No, let's not bother with that. I think now people are realising that it's all really important and it, it isn't just important to get the overall picture right. It's important to get all those little details right. It's important to consider it all, how it's used, how 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 a family lives day to day from from you know from morning till night. And I think in that sense we're finding that people take more time to contemplate what they need and really fully flesh out their brief um, so that we can then make sure we're meeting it. And I think previously I'd say that people cared but they were time poor and and busy and so you'd sort of you get you get less from them in order to then respond to mm. so I think that's probably that's probably my answer for that one that's interesting yeah mm. and of course there's plenty more home offices going on but you yeah. know that's not unusual and what about you at home? Because I think, if I'm correct, when we spoke in 2020... <laughs> oh, this you... is so embarrassing. I don't know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to hear how that's going. It's in I council. Think... <laughs> okay, I so... was actually just having a chat with a client and I said, isn't it funny? You think to yourself, yeah, like in two years, we'll start building. <laughs> and we bought it and we thought, no, we'll be, we'll be building in two years. And of course, three and a half years later, we're still in council. <laughs> oh, Which is not to say it's taken three years in council, but, um, but some of the events of the last two years have really have put pause on you know on resourcing yourself to that project mm. so I've had to sort of you know park it for a moment but it's thankfully in council yeah where, where hopefully they will come back with a raging yes you can do whatever you want That's unlikely but that would be delightful <laughs> um, so yeah so the plan is to hopefully start building at least at the end of this year early next so it's a new build or a renovation it's a renovation it's a 1927 cottage and it's in a heritage conservation area so we've just you know between council and heritage it's a bit mm. like dealing with two parents who are going through a really acrimonious divorce and it's impossible to please both of them so you've kind of got to try and please a little bit of that one and a little bit of that one and hope that everyone's okay with compromise um but uh It'll be fun. It'll yeah. be fun. We're looking forward to getting started and I'm just looking forward to a non-leaky roof, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. So given that it's been three and a half years, did you mm -hmm. say in council, have, mm. have your thoughts changed over that period of time or have you, are you quite steadfast in your original ideas of what you wanted I, to do? Uh, I, I definitely oscillated a fair bit during the design phase. So it hasn't thankfully been in council for a full three and a half years. It's just been... <laughs> been held up by myself um but I oscillated quite a bit you know one of the challenges of designing your own home is that you you sort of you're not limited mm. by any idea you go oh I could do that I could do that and, then, and the risk you run is putting too many ingredients into the to the recipe and you know it falling over for that reason but I have a, f a once the planning was really massaged and sort of resolved um some of which there wasn't a huge amount we could we could really challenge council on then um 
the rest of it's just going to be a bit of fun, I think, mm. for me. Because, yes, lots of ideas percolating away in the back of my grain, grey matter. So, <laughs> yeah. It must be incredibly exciting. It is. It is. It's really exciting. So, can't wait to get started. Yeah. Well, we look forward <laughs> to seeing that. Um, so, on that note, I'm going to say thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for coming coming in to the studio. Oh, That's it's wonderful. Pleasure. It's nice to be out on the road again. <laughs> <laughs>